What is CYA? Let me tell you guys how I am careful when investing in sports cards. Stick around for the whole video. Hello to all my sports card collector and investor friends. I appreciate you coming back and joining us today again for another video. Today I'm going to be talking about, uh, might be an unpopular subject in today's very optimistic sports card investing environment, um, but it's something I think that we all have in the back of our minds and so I thought it was something that would be good to talk about because I haven't seen a lot of content on, on this particular subject and it's why and how to be careful when investing in sports cards. So I know that there's, you know, there's a lot of videos on you know, where to, you know, kind of invest. We put out a lot of videos as well as, you know, different strategies, um, you know, but there, and there's certainly tons of optimism. There's loads of, of good things to talk about in the sports card investing world, but there are some kind of hidden factors, I think, that, that aren't being talked about enough. Uh, and so we wanted to put this video out. My wife was talking to me, um, you know, the other night and, you know, she is big on CYA, which is short for cover your behind. And um, well, you, you get the gist. Anyway, we, you know, when we're talking about investments, whether it's stocks or real estate, um, you know, or anything that's traditional, you know, you wanna be kind of careful to hedge your bets. You know, if you're in stocks, you're, you probably have the majority of your, of your funds, a lot of people do in the S&P 500, as opposed to having the majority of your money in penny stocks or you know, day trading and the, the higher risk you know, type stuff. Not to say that there's there, there's good, certainly good good ways to invest in those things. Those are viable alternatives. But you know, that's not necessarily you know where you might want to have all of your resources or 80, 90 percent of your resources. And the same goes for sports cards. So I've made this mistake, um, you know, earlier in the year. And you know, actually, you know what? Let me take it back to the beginning. So I got into sports cards in the late 80s, early 90s, and you know, me and my buddies, we would have, you know, I remember the, the new Beckett magazine was the, the most exciting part of the month for me back then. This is eight, nine, 10, 11 years old. And I remember getting the new Beckett, you know, you'd have your cards and then you, you of course scroll down, you know, through the sets and figure out what went up. And, and for, as kids, I mean, we're talking about five cents moving up to 10 cents. And you, people that are my age, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When a card went up to you know 50 cents, or it went up to a dollar, or you had a five dollar card, that was crazy, you know. So me and my buddy Alan, uh, we would use those Becketts, you know, as uh, ways to figure out how, you know, ways to figure out trade value. So as we're looking at, you know, I, I'm a huge New Orleans Saints fan, so for me it was Bobby Bear, it was you know Ricky Jackson, Pat Swilling. Um, Dalton Hilliard, you know, these guys back in the 80s, these cards were the ones that I was looking for, among others. I mean, I appreciated all the other stars like Marino and Elway and so forth. Um, you know, but that's how I got started, really. I mean, buying and selling and negotiating, I can attribute that start as a kid in sports cards. That's how it started for me. That was my first introduction into, you know, the investing, the buying and selling, reselling world. And so, you know, when we go back then, you know, we're looking at, you know, th that was just a lot of fun and a lot of it was collecting, um, you know, so there was loads of fun. 
But, you know, lessons to be learned is, and I talk about it all the time in other videos with scarcity, is print runs were so high that there wasn't really any staying power, you know, with those cards. That's why they call it the junk wax era. There's very few cards, out of all the cards that were printed back then, very few of them, a very small percentage, really hold a lot of value. And they have to have high grades, and, you know, there, there's a lot of kind of factors that, that go into it. But if you're looking at the sum whole of what was printed in the 80s, 90s, and what's actually valuable, it's an extremely low percentage, as we all know. So I wanted to start off with, with that, and then I want to seg into a recent story <laughs> to where you know I, I made kind of a, not, not a similar mistake, it's a different type of mistake, but this past offseason, NFL offseason, I was getting into um, NFL rookie QBs that I thought could you know break out, and I was trying to kind of time that right. I put, I put probably about $200 into Will Greer and another couple hundred dollars, maybe $250 into Ryan Finley for the Bengals. And I did get some of my money back on Finley when he did get that one start uh, or the couple of starts that he had with the Bengals. But, you know, now we fast forward. The Bengals have the number one overall pick. They're most likely going to take Joe Burrow. There's no Ryan Finley era that we can see, you know, there. And then when I look at just there's a lot of good QB prospects coming out. Well, I should say there's a few QB prospects coming out, but then you still have a lot of older QBs that haven't retired yet, whether that be Breeze or Rivers or, you know, these guys still have starting jobs. There's only 32 starting jobs in the NFL. So, you know, as I'm putting money into to these cards, I should, you know, probably have just taken a step back and just thought about, okay, you know, what are the chances that these guys are going to get in, get a start, you know, and do well and their cards get a, get a spike. Now, it, it did happen. Um, it happened with um, Jones, Daniel Jones with the Giants, and I did, I did make some good flips uh, with Daniel Jones. Finley, I, may, I was able to sell a few of his when he started. I didn't get in with uh, Kyle Allen with the Panthers uh, when he made his start, um, and I know that his card spiked. So there are success stories, and I see a lot of people buying, you know, Drew Locke and and Kyler Murray's a popular one. Now, he was a first overall pick. He's a starter, so that, that makes a little bit more sense to me. But I would just say that that was a lesson that I learned. I was allocating a lot of resources for me because I'm, I'm on a budget. And, you know, for me, $500 going into, $500, $700 going into rookie QBs that are second, third string that may or may not get into the game, that, those might never pan out. And even if they do pan out, it could be next season. It could be two seasons from now, five seasons from now that these guys get a shot and are successful. So, yes, I'm buying them on, you know, on the cheap and there is upside, but, you know, kind of like when we talk about with penny stocks, you know, yeah, there's tons there's upside there and you're but you're getting it for pennies, but it, it also could go out of business tomorrow. It's, you know, it, it might not ever happen. And so, you know, something just to be mindful of when when you're looking at resources. Always keep in the back of your mind, a guy is always an injury away from their career being over or, that's worst case scenario, an injury away, you know, best case is an injury away from them being out for an extended period of time to where their cards are not going to have much movement and or they're going to go down. So, you know, when we look at, I'll just use a couple of examples, Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, their cards might not have, have dropped significantly. They may have. I don't have loads of data on them. Um... But them being out for a year, they're not a good, it's not a good time to sell their cards. It's just not, you know? I mean, the time to sell is when they're coming back, the season's about to start, there's hype around them. Not on injury, when they're on injury, that's a buying opportunity. If you think that they're gonna come back and they're gonna play at a high level, 
then that's a buying opportunity. But you, again, you know, a lot of us are, for, for me anyway, I'm counting on flips. I'm counting on profit to be able to buy more. So, you know, I don't have infinite resources. I don't have, you know, the discretionary income to be able to, you know, every month buy more and more and more. I have some, I have some that I can do that with, but all in all, I'm counting on, you know, flips to be able to buy more inventory. And so, you know, just something to keep in mind. If you've got, you know, a guy that, um, you know, if, if they're injured, you know, then they're going to be on the shelf. There's nothing going on with them. Um, and so that's just kind of sitting there and not making you, not making money. So something to just kind of keep in mind. Now, we never know who's going to get injured at any given point. So it's not like this is, this is easy, you know, to figure out. I would say basketball is a lot more safe, obviously, than football when investing in players from that standpoint. Um, and baseball, I think, fairly safe as well. Um, you know, so, but that's just something that we all have to kind of, you know, keep in mind as we're doing this. I think we also have to be really honest with, with ourselves of, you know, when we talk about long-term hold, are you collecting, you know, are you a collector or an investor? You know, everyone, for, for the people that are, everything's a long-term hold, I'm gonna hold on to these for, you know, 30 years. That's great, again, if you have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars to buy and hold with, but, you know, not everyone is a good, first off, a lot of players are not good long-term hold and you know invested collected there was not a lot of those cards are not you know that they're not any they're not worth anything so you know just be very careful with that and I know people will argue with me and say that this is a different time there's more money coming in and there's you know print runs are lower some of that is true but the variables stay the same as we just don't know and you know a lot of these players are going to come and go you know they could be hot today and not tomorrow so the opportunities that I see are really in kind of these short-term flips. It's 12 months or less, you're buying and you're selling. And I think that the way that you can kind of really hedge your bets with this thing, and I guess my overall advice to, to help cover yourself, as, as my, my wife was, was you know talking about, is to buy the established players, have a certain amount of your portfolio or your, your collection, your investment, in established players like the, the LeBrons, the MJs, the, the Patrick Mahomes, the Acunas, you know, these are superstars, they're established, and it's more or less just trying to find values within those players and have, you know, a, a good size, a good chunk in those players to where it's fairly safe. I mean, look, again, we talk about guys get injured, they could be gone. You look at Andrew Luck, he retires out of nowhere. There are no guarantees, but if you have, you know, a significant amount in those players, then, then you're able to you know, have some, some maneuverability when needed. Be really mindful of timing, guys. When we're buying, I mean, and I do this too, I'm, I'm just, you know, it's all emotional, it's fun. We're having a great time. And, you know, but think about, you gotta, we have to stay disciplined with our buying times and selling times. It's gonna be very difficult, but the off season is traditionally the best season, the, the best time to buy a player in, it's, it's in their off season. So it's not a guarantee that the prices are going to be way, way lower. It's not. But ideally, I mean, historically, they are lower than in-season if they're having success. Now, if they're in-season and they're having terrible success, you know, or they're not having success, then, then okay. Then maybe there's some opportunities there. But the off-season is, is really when we're looking to buy for any particular sport, and then we're selling during the season as prices are fluctuating with the excitement of a player or a team. So... Guys, thank you very much for hanging in with me. I'm interested in hearing kind of stories of what you guys are doing to help kind of 
bridge the gap between the, the collecting side of us and the investing side of us. But I think that this, you know, it's necessary to have videos that, that talk about just kind of, you know, potential pitfalls and just to be careful as, as we're all on a budget for the most part and we've got to kind of pay attention to our tendencies, our, hu our human behavior of being a collector, you know, and, and being careful as to how we navigate this, this ship. But all in all, I'm, I'm pretty bullish on sports cards right now. But again, you know, it's just like with anything else, we have to we have to cover ourselves or do the best we can to cover ourselves. So anyway, thanks very much for joining and we will see you guys next time. Have a great day.